Welcome to On Texas Football, the Longhorn live stream. I'm with Jerry Hamilton. Uh, Jerry uh, is joining me from his kitchen, it looks like, today. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of stuff to talk talk about today uh, for the Longhorns. The, the uh, transfer portal, Jerry, is just going absolutely crazy right now. Yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I don't think colleges can keep up with this. Um, look, I mean, do they have an idea of some guys that are going to pop in? Yes, but... I just think there's these guys have to be overwhelmed all around the country. Um, maybe FSU hasn't. They seem to do the best job last year with impact guys. But I would think any uh, recruiting staff, player personnel department is overwhelmed right now. And it's not even the fifth yet, which is Monday, which is when all hell breaks loose. Oh, it's amazing. I, I think it's uh, categorically amazing. You're talking about hundreds and hundreds of guys at various positions and, you know, you're going to have to start recruiting on Monday. It's like a, it's like I wrote on Inside Texas this morning. It's like a whole recruiting cycle condensed into 45 days. And really, if you're not ahead of the game, you're playing from behind already. Well, and, yeah, yeah. And and think about this. I mean, there's going to be a lot of prognostications, players going here or there, or whatnot. It can change in two seconds. You, you know, I could literally get off the phone with a source said, "Yep, yeah, that one's looking good." And right about the time I finish the story, it's not good anymore. <laughs> I mean, I think that's kind of the recruiting world we live in with the portal and maybe in the NIL day and age. Uh, Jerry, someone says you're not looking good. I got to I gotta tell him this. Jerry is actually recovering from pink eye. So that's why he hasn't been on this week at all with us. Uh, it's not because he's like, like suddenly wanting to take time off right around the time it gets busy. He's uh, recovering from pink eye, and he was nice enough to come on today. Ne never, never had it before. Crazy. Never had it before. Um, and, and that and allergies have been crushing. So it's been a, uh, it's been an interesting week. I'll say that. Well, from the pictures you sent to me <laughs> earlier in the week to, to now, you look much better, my man. All right. Yeah. Hey, uh, first of all, Longhorn live stream. Uh, today's chat brought to you by Andy Ludicky of franchise .myperfectfranchise.net. Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you divert to diversify by finding you businesses that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. I did it myself. Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. You can email him uh, there. We appreciate his ongoing support of Longhorn Livestream. Uh, Jerry, seven guys went in the portal on Tuesday uh, of this past week. Any of those guys uh, surprise you for the Longhorns? No, I don't think surprise. Um, you know, not for me. I mean, Carrick, you know, that one, I think that surprised a lot of people, but it makes sense. I mean, he's an offensive lineman. He was wearing 92 this year. That's not kind of, I think, what he wants his end game to be, right? Um, so go somewhere that you're going to, play on the offensive line, preferably at guard for me with him and, and and see how far you can go with it. I think he's a good player. Um, I think he did a great job this year, what he was asked to do. And, um, you know, for the Texas fans that were surprised, I mean, I, I think people just have to look at this as he didn't come to Texas to wear number 92. So, and he's got a couple of years left to go do what he wants to do and maximize himself as an interior offensive lineman. So, uh, so no, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, Look, we don't have all the answers. None of us do. Um, but I'm not surprised by the guys that jump in. Um, I'm very, I would say, very rarely surprised um, with some. Maybe it's the timing of when some of it happens. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's just crazy. I mean, um, the, maybe the one that surprised me was not the other one that we talked about is Hudson Card. Um, he didn't surprise me at all that he's going in. Uh, Drew Pine, apparently, the Notre Dame quarterback. Uh, is getting ready to uh, 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 transfer from Notre Dame. Maybe that opens up a spot at Notre Dame for Hudson Card. Who knows? I mean, he's got a lot of different uh, options probably before him. Uh, but the one that did surprise me a little bit for Texas was Jameer Johnson, the cornerback out of Pasadena Muir in, in uh, California. And the reason it surprised me is because I felt like he was solid depth through the Longhorns. All the others were either understandable, the Andre Carriage, Hudson Card, even a Troy O'Meara who has had injury problems, he needs to to go somewhere where he's not uh, right. at that high of a competitive level. So he's going to have to take a step. But um, my point 
on this is that I, as of right now, uh, Texas has not lost anybody to the portal that was, is just one of those guys, oh, man, that's going to hurt. At the same time, uh, you know, not everybody has made their decision yet. Uh, we are talking about guys like Xavier Worthy, who we feel like is leaning towards staying, but we don't we do not know that it's a done deal. Um, and this is not the only time he can enter the portal. Uh, there's another um, another time coming up in May. Uh, you would think by this time, though, they they will be at that point where they'll they'll have made a decision, at least uh, for the spring semester. Uh, and, you know, as we track this across the country, um, we know that there are guys that are going into the portal and haven't even announced yet. Right. That will announce on Monday. And I feel like um, to your point early, Jerry, it was it's overwhelming the amount of players and the amount of quality players. I mean, we're talking about, you know, guys with 10 tackles for loss or 50 catches, um, productive high end players. And they're all going to the portal. How do you how do you manage that as a college coach? I've, I've tried to say, you know, you got to you got to get five to, to seven of these guys that you think are going to help your your roster next year. But, you know, it's kind of hard. Well, I think the, the maybe the interesting thing with the timing of the portal, and it's not – it is just for our conversation purposes, is what's been going on at all these colleges that aren't playing in conference title games right now, the exit interviews with the season. So all these college coaching staffs, these head coaches are trying to figure out, one, which guys are staying and which guys are going, and two, which guys do I want to push out the door? Because they're both happening. If anybody doesn't think it's happening, they're nuts. I mean, it's happening. So I, I think it's just interesting timing, right? I mean, um, not that the date of exit interviews has changed, but it's just the date of the portals made it much more significant, those conversations. Because if you're a college coach, you're sitting there saying, dang, I, we got to address this because we're hearing this, but we don't know if it's true or not. So player X kind of, you know, we want you here um, and, and in their way of, look, these guys are all good at recruiting their way of getting an answer the best they can out of these kids. Let me ask you this. They're guys. So, so we're on a Friday before the Monday when they can officially go in the portal. Do you think, you think there's a chance that there are guys out there right now that everybody in the country is waiting to go into the portal, but haven't announced for the portal yet? Yes. And, and, and here's the crazy thing about the portal. I think there's intermediaries um, absolutely reaching out to families to say, hey, man, we don't know what you're going to do, but if you do, here's our number. <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, it, it, I think this weekend's interesting too, because unless you're playing in a conference championship game, there's a chance if you're within driving distance of home, you're driving home this weekend. And there's going to be a lot of interesting conversations in some households this weekend of kids that are considering jumping on the portal. I think that's another interesting thing is maybe there's a lot of people that are thinking about it, but those decisions won't come one way or the other until Sunday night. Yeah, it just uh, it's amazing to me uh, just how much uh, this is happening at this point, because, uh, you know, it's it's a new it's a new era in college sports, because not only is there the portal, there's also the NIL, which impacts that. Uh, and the outcome of those uh, events as well uh, that we've all got to say, hey, I, I want to say hey, this. Bobby, Bobby, by the way, I, I think that's a great point is because this 2022 class was really the first NIL class of high school kids. Right. So these kids come in. I ask A&M that. But yeah. I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. But but the point is, so the guys who are already on campus, once the, and they're really established players, once they start hearing about some of the numbers, well, that's going to cause some transfers too. And, and that's probably what's behind some of these transfers that we're seeing or going to see is, whoa, whoa, now. I mean, that guy plays behind me. So either I'm in or I'm out. Y'all let me know. Yeah. No, I, and I, I think that, that that's the way it is. Uh, and so teams are going to have to figure out who they who they uh, value, who they don't, et cetera, and, and move on from there, I think. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, it's not all it's every single recruitment is not impacted this way. So Correct. you have to figure it all out and, and see what's going on. Um, speaking of recruiting, uh, Texas still in it uh, for Anthony Hill. 
Uh, the linebacker, Denton Ryan, inside Texas, reporting today that he may try to take uh, visits to both Texas A and Texas A&M uh, the very last weekend before signing day. Uh, also, uh, Cedric Baxter, uh, you reported earlier this week, Jerry, that the nation's top running back out of Orlando's Edgewater was not expected to take any further visits other than to Texas on the December 17th weekend. Uh, also, two guys, uh, two defensive tackles I want to uh, talk about or that you know of that that Bo Davis and the Longhorns are after right now that you can might maybe give people an update on. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to start with Senator Baxter. And for Texas fans, just remember, that can change. He, he could show up on a campus. Florida State and Florida are not going to give up until December 21st. So, But the big news is Senator Baxter is going to be in Austin December 17th, that last weekend. And, and I think that's the big news. Sadir Mitchell as well, which uh, inside Texas uh, broke that news this week. Um, the defensive line position is interesting. I think in an ideal world, Texas would like to get two more high school guys. I, it may just be one. Uh, but uh, Texas, uh, according to uh, Roderick Pierce, uh, the former Wisconsin committed out of uh, Brother Rice up in the Oaklawn, Chicago area, uh, Bo Davis is going up. Texas D-line coach Bo Davis is going up to see him today. Pierce has a official visit scheduled to Texas December 17th. He goes to Illinois the week before. Obviously, Michigan's considered the – heavy leader right now and the question is with that I think is twofold always in recruiting when you once you get in late on a kid and the kid says he's going to come visit one when you go up to see that kid really for the first time do you get a feel like he's just taking visits or is he really open and I think that's important uh it's going to be important for the Texas staff once they see Roderick Pierce today to kind of dive into okay does he want to come to Austin because he's he, he he's heard such great things about Austin and Texas football, or is this kid really just going to Michigan? He's taking visits, right? I mean, I think that's the that's the question. Then two is um, with a kid like that is look, Texas covets him. They think he's tremendous. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, so that December seventeenth visit, you 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 get the answer you want today. Then you say, okay, it's game on. Then that December 17th visit becomes very impactful. Um, and so that's what will be interesting uh, with Roderick Pierce today. I think when Texas meets with him today or today um, is kind of the feel they get from that meeting. Um, then Saturday, uh, Texas D-line coach Bo Davis, I guess going from Chicago to Atlanta area, he's going to go down and see Justin Benton Saturday. Uh, Benton rescheduled his December 3rd official visit to December 10th. It was a toss-up between the 10th and 17th, but uh, Justin Benton will be at Texas next weekend, December 10th. And while he's still a West Virginia commitment, I'll be surprised if that's not Arkansas or Texas. The question is, does Texas push for both of those guys, Pierce and Benton? And I think that's going to have to play out. And again, you're talking about two prospects here. When you make these senior evaluations, they haven't sat down with Steve Sarkeesian before. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. They haven't sat down with the Texas staff before. Um, now, Justin Benton to short choice, the area recruiter, that's how that offer went down. He went to see Justin Benton, um, and then he and Bo Davis offered Benton. But now comes the next part of that process. Justin Benton visits Texas next weekend. He's around the staff. He sits down in the office with Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian's the head coach, and he has the final say on what's going to happen. So those, those are the very important meetings for these senior riser prospects uh, when they make that visit to campus. Got it. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking this through. Any other, I, obviously the wide receiver group, we're waiting to see what happens there. Uh, not sure if they're going to take uh, some uh, some uh, help out of the portal as well, given the lack of anybody else really stepping up into that third receiver spot this year. And they need immediate help, uh, clearly. Um, you know, I, I feel like we're, we're at a place where – go ahead, do you have something you want to say, Jerry? Yeah, I think Tyler Scott's an important one. Um, I, I was texting back and forth to Tyler Scott, uh, I guess it was last night, and Tashar Choice and uh, Terry Joseph are scheduled to be there to see him Sunday. And his official visit is December 17th. And, and I think there's one commonality there. 
Roderick Pierce, we know, is a guy Texas covets on the defensive line. Last visit week in the 17th. Tyler Scott, December 17th. So you know those two guys, those senior eval guys, they have very high on the board, else they wouldn't be bringing them in that last weekend before signing day, along with guys like Cedric Baxter, Peyton Kirkland, all the commitments that are going to be there. So those are those two guys are obviously very high on the remaining board. The wide receivers have already uh, made their visits. DeAndre Moore visited. Jacoby Lane visited. Could Kyle Parker come in? That's possible. Jaden Greathouse, you know, one of the interesting things, he's a, you know, with Vosick having flipped, Greathouse is a very big topic on Inside Texas. But here's the kicker. The 5A and 6A state championship games are December 17th. They're that last visit weekend. So um, could a great house show up in Austin Sunday if they play in the state title game Saturday? Sure, that could happen. Um, could he show up midweek? Maybe, but are you going to interrupt your practices when you're getting close to another state championship if you're Austin-Westlake? We'll see. I mean, there's plenty of time in the day. But that's what's interesting, too, is when you kind of look at that last weekend the guys they want to get in, they're either on the commitment list or maybe a target. A lot of those guys are still in the playoffs. Malik Muhammad, Billy Walton in the playoffs. Jonte Cook, Trey Wisner in the playoffs. Derek Williams is in the playoffs with Westgate. I think they finished a week before um, if they make it back-to-back state titles. But So that's I think that's going to be impactful in that 17th weekend as well. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, just you know, what's going on here. Um, Jerry, I want to uh, segue a little bit into and talk about the basketball team last night. Uh, I know you watched the game. We both watched it. What did you think of the Longhorns, uh, number two ranked team in the country? Well, what impressed me last night was they won in without shooting the ball well. Last year, they the way the team was constructed, they had to shoot the three well to score enough points to win over a quality opponent. What they can do this year is score the basketball. And just think about this. They only shot eight free throws. And a lot of those were late in the game when Creighton had to start fouling and putting them on the line. Um, So you made four threes and you made six free throws. Okay, well, that's 12. That's 18 points. That means you scored 54 points without a free throw, without a three. They couldn't do that last year. And that's where Texas is a lot better. And that's a quality team Creighton is. I don't know if they're a Final Four team. I don't know if I dig the way they played defensively and more of a, we're going to contest your jump shot and our jump shots are going to fall more than yours. I'm not sure. I think that style is can get you beaten in the NCAA tournament by a hot team. Um, but Creighton's still a talented team, probably a better team than Gonzaga, honestly. So scoring 54 points with only hitting four threes and only going to the free throw line with eight attempts, making six, that's where Texas is a lot better. And you can say it's because of the parts, but we can talk about that, but it doesn't matter. That's just where Texas is better. They can win without shooting the three well or getting to the free throw line a lot this year. They couldn't do that last year. Um, and look, it, what was impressive to me last night was, and a lot of people say, well, Creighton had dead legs. They're coming off Maui. Yeah, true. I guarantee you, though, I mean, uh, McDermott, Coach McDermott said it before the game, by far the best defensive team will have played all year. So those three-point looks are different. When you have constant ball pressure in your face, you kind of speed up the shot. Um, you don't make that extra pass sometimes because you don't want to turn the ball over. So maybe you it gets you out of rhythm and you force a little – maybe the three is a 23-footer instead of 22, 24 instead of 22, right? All that stuff matters. And I guarantee you this will be Creighton's worst three-point shooting game of the season. No yep. doubt about it. And so and a lot of that is Texas defense. And – uh, people are going to look at, well, Kalkbrenner was nine and nine or whatever, but you got to pick your poison. I mean, it, it, nobody has a perfectly constructed basketball team uh, in college basketball right now. That's just not going to happen with overtime elite and the G League and all this stuff. Uh, so what's Texas going to do? They're going to they are going to defend you on the perimeter. They're going to bring the ball pressure. They're going to make it tough to be comfortable at the guard position. That's how good a player Nimhart is when they just started saying, all right, just go do your thing, DJ Augustine-ish style of what Rick Barnes would do with DJ Augustine back in the day. But I think Texas, that was, in some ways, was a more impressive win than Gonzaga because Gonzaga was, you know, they were hot from three. Everything was going their way offensively. That They they just played with such easy flow. And if the threes are going to go, Texas is going to score 80-plus this year. They're playing at a faster clip. They have better players on the wings, which I think is big. But when you look at beating Creighton last night, Jabari Rice didn't play well or uh, as well as he can. Arterio Morse still got to slow down. 
he didn't play well. Um, Dylan DeSue wasn't 100%, so they got what they could out of him, and you still won the game against a quality opponent. Uh, so I think Texas is – look, that win, Gonzaga plus Creighton sets them up now. I mean, you needed to get – after you beat Gonzaga, you start looking at the schedule, right? You say, okay, how can Texas be a one seed if they stay healthy or for sure a two seed? Well, what, that's split in the Creighton and Illinois game. Well, now you already got the split, and you go to New York City Tuesday – against the Illinois team. They're playing Maryland tonight. We'll see what happens in that game. It's right now ranked number 16. Uh, so they have – it looks like Texas at worst is going to be a one-loss team in non-conference. And that sets you up to have one of those 24-7 and seven type of regular seasons to where you're one or two seed. You can't really ask for more than that. Got it. Hey, Jerry, um, let me ask you this. You, you said – you made a good comment there about the defense because at one point yesterday I looked at the ESPN app just to see where everybody was scoring their points. Literally, with like three minutes left in the half or four minutes left in the half, everything that um, that Creighton had scored was in the paint. Right. I mean, layup, dunk. I mean, they hadn't scored. And so, and I noticed that I'm like, they're getting some easy shots at times. They have to wait until later into the shot clock to get them, but they're being extremely patient. Is that is that maybe Texas's Achilles heel? Achilles heel on defense is those teams that are literally going to just basically wear them down a little bit and, and overplaying the lanes and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I think that that's the key. If you're playing against Texas, for we look at that from that perspective. If you can handle the ball pressure, and and you don't, you're not 18 seconds into the shot clock getting into a set or your actions. I think then you have a chance against the Texas Texas team because that also is going to slow Texas down a little bit because they are playing faster. They do want to run. Uh, they want to – look, they were very low possession last year because they kind of had to be. But So people, I think, thought that's the way Beard was going to play at Texas. He's not Tony Bennett. He's not going to play that style. It, that's not happening. That's not what he wants to do. If you look at his Texas Tech teams, the Elite Eight and Final Four team, they played about three and a half, four and a half possessions – more game than that Texas team did last year. And I think that's where Texas is going to be. So the long-winded version of that, Bobby, is yeah. I mean, Nimhard didn't have a turnover last night. I don't think Texas will play maybe two teams where a point guard won't have a turnover. And he's really good. He does remind you of DJ Augustine in some ways a little bit. Um, I don't think he's quite that good, but he's a really good player. So if you handle the ball pressure, and you have a big that's a decent or good player, if you can withstand the first 12, 14 seconds of that ball pressure, then you can get good looks in the paint. Um, the question that, the question becomes with that is, it, Texas didn't have to – like, Colt Brenner's a really good player, Bobby, but he's not Drew Timmy. I mean, he, Drew Timmy can play over either shoulder. He can shoot fadeaway jumpers from 12 feet. Colt Brenner's going to be right there around the rim, within eight feet of the rim. Um, so Texas could live with not having to take drop a double on him. Uh, they, as long as they took away the three-point shooters and didn't allow the easy kickouts. I mean, Kaltbrenner threw a couple away. But that's the key is if you can handle the ball pressure from Texas, then you have a chance uh, to really get some shots in the paint. I mean, of course, Beers plays no middle defense. Guys are going to drive the baselines against them. But, I, look, the thing I, I like about Texas, though, is if you said last night, well, Dylan DeSue's going to have a sore knee, he's probably not going to play as much, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, how's Texas going to defend this? Because everybody, I think, kind of gets caught up in, well, Texas doesn't have a traditional big man. Well, they just beat Gonzaga and Creighton. Home or not, that's two of the top three or four bigs they're going to play against all year, and they're 2-0 and against them. So I think the way you look at basketball a little bit has to change with Chris Beard's teams because – the other one is plus minus rebounding. So they got out rebounded 44 to 41 last night, I believe. Texas Tech went to the national championship game with a plus 1.3 rebound advantage. That's as low as you'll find. And if you're going to overplay and have that pressure defense everywhere, that's kind of the trade off is you're not going to be in position to always put a body on a body. Um, so there's there's the give and take with the style of play, but that style of play works really well for Chris Beard. Yeah, I was going to say he's maximizing right now for sure. Uh, Longhorns ranked number two overall. I'm uh, talking with uh, Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com uh, and on three. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton, and uh, this is a Longhorn live stream on a Friday afternoon. We're trying to get into 
various aspects at the Longhorn uh, sports programs. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the portal already. Uh, we've talked some recruiting. Uh, Jerry, uh, you know, Texas is in a situation right now where they're waiting. The football team is waiting to find out where they're going uh, for the, uh, the their bowl game. But all signs point to it being the Alamo Bowl. We'll know for sure who their opponent is on Sunday. Um, what are you hoping to see out of Texas this bowl season? You know, I'm excited to see some of the, you know, I, we don't know yet if Bijan's going to play in the bowl game or not, right? I, I doubt it. But If but, I'm him, I'm not, okay? I'm just being, putting that out there. He's done enough for the University of Texas. Um, so I'm going to be excited about seeing what Jonathan Brooks does with 15 carries in a game. Uh, um, that's kind of my thing. I, I'm excited to see, you know, does Andre Carrick play in the bowl game or not? Probably not, right? He's entering the portal. He's not going to play. So who's going to wear number 92? Is it going to be Cam Williams? Are we going to get big Cam Williams out there? Is it going to be Balik Ogbo? Is that going to be a first? It won't be Cam. I'm joking. That'd be fun. <laughs> but that's going to be a first glimpse of maybe who they could see in a role like that that's currently in the program. Could it be Malik Ogbo wearing 92 the last game of the year? Because somebody's probably going to step into that role. So I think I think that all of that is 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 fascinating kind of to watch. And you know, who is I think one of the, I'm not sure it's the bowl game, Bobby, but it's to me what's going to happen at defensive back long term is, you know, is Terrence Bruce stay at corner? Does Austin Jordan move to safety? Does Jade Barron move the corner next year? I mean, there's so many possibilities, and I don't know if the bowl game will be a glimpse at that in, in some ways, um, but I'm interested to see kind of is there any shuffling a little bit of positions with a little more prep time before a bowl game? Yeah, I think the only two that are really like, – well, there's three. Uh, Jade Barron, Ryan Watts, and Jaron Thompson probably have lockdown spots for next year. Yeah. One, one safety is clearly open, and right. – with J.D. Coffey's um, uh, transfer, he's clear, you know, Michael Taft may be one of them, uh, but he's down the line uh, as a walk-on, you'd have to think, uh, compared to maybe what they could get from the portal. Um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I, I think that it's going to be interesting uh, because Texas has the makings of a really strong team for next year and a core group, uh, but they need, a, uh, they need to uh, – I don't know if the word is amplify, uh, but they need to accentuate uh, and add to it a little bit more uh, to make it great. A um, couple of questions uh, that have come in. Any news on Brennan Marion staying or leaving? It's been reported that Marion, uh, the Texas wide receivers coach, has interviewed for the Tulsa head job. Uh, doing some checking on that last night. It's understood that Marion is involved in that job. It's also understood that Barry Odom, uh, the uh, defense coordinator at Arkansas is involved in that job. And Odom, uh, if they can meet his pay requirements, because he's getting paid quite well at Arkansas, uh, might be the favorite for that job. And he's from the state of Oklahoma. Right, yep. and he's from Oklahoma, and so uh, he'll have a, uh, uh, a well, – By the way, Bobby, what do you make of G.J. Kinney? turning down Tulsa, essentially and going to Texas state. I have a thought on that. I'd like to hear yours. Well, here's my, my thought of it is Tulsa a winnable job right now. No, that's um, tough. I, I, yeah. It, it's a tough. And, and you got to remember uh, Tulsa and rice. I think it's those two are the two smallest FBS schools in the country. So their, their um, undergraduate population is around 3000 people. And so it, it can be hard to recruit to those kind of schools. Um, gen genuinely hard. Um, and so I, I feel like, uh, that, that part, that was part of it. I also think, um, it's easier to win at Southwest Texas, uh, than it is elsewhere. You're in a, a lower level conference. Um, and so I, the, the only thing that struck me is, you know, GJ originally signed with Texas, uh, out of Canton. His dad was a high school coach. Um, it was Canton, wasn't it? It was yeah. Canton. Yeah. Yeah. His dad was a high school coach and originally signed with Texas. And it would have been GJ that took the reins over from Colt McCoy in the national championship game had GJ remained at Texas instead of transferring to Tulsa. Yeah. Um, but long story short, he ended his career at Tulsa. So that that's the thing that struck me is this is a guy that uh, graduated from Tulsa, uh, played 
a lot for Tulsa, uh, but decided to opt instead uh, for Southwest or for Texas State, excuse me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to say other than I just think it's a more winnable job. And if Tulsa or wherever is a way, Tulsa or Texas State, wherever is a way station to the next job, then you want to go somewhere where you can win to get that next job anyways. Yeah, I think a turnaround at Texas State is more impressive than winning seven games at Tulsa. Um, I, and I, I'm going to throw another one out there that people don't think about, but I think is always impactful. Not that G.J. Kenny, at his young age, but look, he's a coach's kid, and Jeff Trailer's a mentor, right, and all the mentors he has. Um, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Texas teachers retirement factors in. Yeah, that's true too. And that's a big deal. And what is it like two thirds? Especially if you're a coach's kid and you're looking at all that and you've been through those conversations. I mean, you know, that's to a certain, you get 80% of your highest three grossing years to a certain point. If you put in enough time, that's significant at a job like Texas state. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. I need to thank our uh, uh, sponsor again, Andy Ludicky over at uh, myperfectfranchise.net. Stuck in the corporate rat rat. Let me try that again. Stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general. Call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, Call Andy or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, I know of some guys that have done that and uh, had some good success. Uh, if you give Andy a call, I'm sure he'll take you through that process as well. Um, you know, let's let's ask a couple more questions. We're going to be taking questions now from the audience for most of the rest of this uh, live stream today. Uh, we got about 15, 20 more minutes to go. Um, Jerry, what does a uh, choice uh, say to Baxter about the running game? Uh, what 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 is he saying to Cedric Baxter uh, to lure him to Austin? I, I think that's a great question. And in, in my conversations with Cedric have been this: um, everything that choice, and they have a great relationship, and he is the reason Cedric Baxter committed to Texas. Everything that Choice and Sarkeesian have told Cedric Baxter happened on the field this year. Uh, and, you know, in talking to Cedric, you know, Cedric is more than taking 25 handoffs a game. Every time you talk to him, he comments about Bijan in the passing game, Roshan, Keelan, the way those guys are used in the passing game as well as in the run game. So everything that Choice and Sarkeesian told Cedric Baxter has come true. And the season's now over, so everything came true. They said the way those backs were going to be used – how they could play multiple backs together, how each of those guys would have opportunities to carry the ball, meaning Roshan and Bijan and in the passing game. Um, and they're going to develop them as pa- in the pass pro game as well. Because look, Cedric Baxter's ultimate goal to play in the NFL, as all these kids' goal is. Um, so everything that they've told him has remained true. And it, when you have a great relationship with a coach, and Bobby, you know this as well as I do, when those guys say, look, this is what, is going to happen. When that stuff happens, that only strengthens the relationship. So Cedric Baxter seeing everything that he was told on the field this year only strengthened that relationship with him and his parents. Gotcha. And that doesn't mean Florida State's giving up. Florida State had a bounce back year. They should not give up until the inks dry. Yep. Um, another question here. Any chance Texas pursues Oklahoma wide receiver Theo Weiss, who announced he's going into the portal uh, this this week? No. Why? Right. Well, it'll give them a why. I mean, look, there's um, there's already a hundred plus wide receivers that have declared for the for the portal. Yeah. So I, I think my opinion on that is 
there's a lot of really good receivers in the portal that have some big time numbers, um, that have big time productivity, um, and, and that are probably better fits scheme or what Texas is looking for. Um, so I just think he's too way too far down the list, and I don't anticipate Texas getting to that point. Yeah, I I, I would agree with you. I, I just don't think he necessarily fits with what they're trying to do. Uh, it looks like a lot of guys here on the on the on the uh, on the uh, chat are talking about the value of Quinn Ewers versus that of uh, Malik Murphy. Um, you know, and I want to address a little bit of that. Um, Malik rated higher than Quinn at the elite 11, apparently, or something like that. Look, that that's shorts and t-shirts. Um, Quinn is the one that, that took the, the, uh, ball, uh, this year, uh, and, uh, is coming out. Uh, Malik will get his chance. He is the backup now, I think, uh, to, uh, Quinn Ewers. Could he see some time in the bowl game? I think so, because it's not going to ruin his, uh, it's not going to waste his red shirt. Uh, at the same time, I don't know that that uh, he'll be ready for that. Um, but we'll have to wait and see because somebody's going to have to back up Quinn Ewers if Quinn Ewers gets gets injured. I would I would tell each of you guys uh, that as of right now, Quinn Ewers is better than Malik Murphy. Otherwise, Steve Sarkeesian would be playing Malik Murphy. That coaches don't not play their best players because they know if they do that, they're they'll get fired. It's not because they're making promises to somebody else. Those promises can go away in a heartbeat. Um, and so believe me, uh, that I, I hear people's uh, call for Malik Murphy and for him to get a shot. That's fine. I, I think he's a good player, and I think he's going to end up being a really good player down the line. Uh, but don't don't be so fooled as to uh, think that uh, he right now gives Texas a better chance to win than Quinn Ewers at quarterback. Yeah, well, and also with Malik Murphy, um, I look, I've been to many Elite 11s. I don't, other than just seeing raw tools, I don't, I'm not meaning to disrespect. The guys that run are great. I just don't put much into it. I mean, throwing against air is not, I don't care. Um, how strong your arm looks out there, I don't care. That's just not my deal. Um, but, so understand this with Malik Murphy, he's had a mechanical overhaul. They had to shorten his release, and he's worked to shorten his release. That is a long process for a guy who's been a wind-up player, and he did it quickly. And, and and then and then you you need to put a good year of work into that before you're really ready to go out in the game, because the last thing you want to do is go out in the game and revert to what you've always done. <laughs> I mean, then it's kind of like then it becomes an issue, right? So he's going through a mechanical overhaul. Um, that stuff takes time. Uh, I think I think what's going to be fascinating next year, Bobby, is with the team, and I will have months to discuss this. But who is actually the number two? I mean, Arch can throw the ball in four games and still redshirt next year. FY, he could he, he could actually throw passes in a game and still redshirt. So I think it's going to be fascinating to kind of see how that all plays out. It's interesting. I just got my notice from the Bolitnikoff Award. I'm a voter for the Bolitnikoff Award each each and every year. Uh, and uh, they're asking me who to vote, who they're asking me to submit my vote right now. Uh, and I'm I'm going to I'm going to think about that for a little bit. Uh, Marvin Harrison uh, is one of them. Uh, Hendon Hooker uh, and Jay, or excuse me, Hendon, Jalen Wyatt uh, or Hyatt of uh, Tennessee, who had just a phenomenal season. Uh, and then who is the other? Who is the third one here? I'm looking for it right now. Hyatt, Harrison, and I want to say it's the guy from uh, I want to say it's the guy from Boston College, Zay Flowers, but I'm not sure. I'll have to look at it. I, I've got to get the, the what, or is it? Was it? It wasn't Hutchinson. It wasn't Hutchinson from Iowa State. It was. It was. It was Xavier Hutchinson. That's it um, from Iowa State at 106. I sent you a text the other day. Glad that wasn't 107. Texas may Texas may have lost that game against against them, but uh, we have having a different discussion right now. Right. Well, this brings <laughs> up another. Yeah, they just Iowa State, by the way, just fired their offensive coordinator today. Today, so Tom Manning, I think he was the longest tenured coach or one of the longer tenured coaches on Iowa State staff. Um, hey, 
have we gotten Jerry's take on the Big 12 awards? I know you saw this, Jerry. A uh, couple of, I, I think it's fair to say most Texas fans believe there were a couple of significant snubs. One is Jalen Ford not being named the defensive player of the year. Four turnovers, or six turnovers, really. Four interceptions, two forced fumbles, two recovered fumbles. I mean, that's any way you count that, that's at least six. Uh, then, then you talk about the 100-plus tackles uh, that he had. Um, and it, it's just hard to come away with him not being named that. And then the other was Kelvin Banks. Uh, Kelvin Banks not making first team. You know, at some level, I can understand that. But I, I've got to be honest. The one that bothered me more was freshman of the year on offense. Yeah. Um, Richard Reese is a good player uh, at Baylor. Is he is he ever going to be an all conference level running back? Maybe if they if they focus truly on him and run the offense through him. But was he a better freshman at his position than Kelvin Banks? Not a chance. No. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on on uh, all of that? Yeah. No, I I agree. The interesting the other part of the Jalen Ford is the Texas defensive improvement. I mean, he's a big part of that. Yeah, they're a more cohesive unit. Maybe we give, um, you know, you say, okay, it was a PK. Was it Cho? Was it all the guys? Was Gary Patterson's help? Whatever. Um, was Jalen Ford just looking like an NFL player? They're sure part of it too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, that's kind of the thing with me too is is the defensive improvement for Texas. And that – is largely impacted by Jalen Ford as far as the players on the field and the defensive line, interior defensive linemen, um, as far as the guys who are on the field. So I, I don't know. I, I could see that one probably I have an issue with. Uh, Kelvin Banks I definitely have an issue with. That's almost like, eh, you can just go and start 12 games at left tackle and power five football, your second games against Alabama, um, and look really good every week, literally. Um, and not that, that one didn't make sense to me. I mean, that, that one will be looked back upon and that doesn't mean Richard Reese isn't going to play in the NFL. That's going to look, be looked back upon a little crazy when Kelvin Banks is a top 10, 15 pick in two years. Yeah. I mean, frankly, I, I don't have a problem with, uh, Dylan Gabriel being named offensive newcomer of the year or Johnny Hodges as defensive new newcomer of the year. Um, no. Hodges played a great role in that TCU defense kind of, uh, was the glue uh, between the front and the back of it. Uh, Duggan is a Heisman candidate. Uh, you could say Bijan deserved that just as much, but I mean, look, guys, 12 and 0 led a, a program to 12 and 0. He's going to get those kind of, those kind of uh, um, uh, accolades, I guess is the better, best term to, to use. Um, you know, Jerry, I, what I found was interesting is, and we haven't seen this much, more guys overall getting picked for Texas for the first and second team, right? Um, mm -hmm. In particular, DeMarvian Overshone. A year ago, uh, Pro Football Focus rated him the worst or second worst linebacker in the Big 12. And now he's an all-conference pick uh, in, uh, in uh, the Big 12. You got guys like Keandre Coburn making the list. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just felt like more guys for Texas got the nods this year, in, in part because they finished third in the conference. Eight and four uh, versus five and seven. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's not so much that, but they got they got that. Uh, did you feel the one player I felt like may have gotten some a, a poor, I don't know how to say this, a poor uh vote. Uh, actually, two of them, Jade Barron and Ryan Watts. Um, Ryan Watts was solid all year oh, long. Yeah. Um, Jade Barron really came on at the end of the year. Last half of the yeah. season, he was terrific. Did you think those guys deserve more? I did. I mean, absolutely. And and look, Ryan Watts is going to be a tough one because. Um, I, I, he's, I don't think he's going to pop the interception numbers, right? He's not going to have the wow plays necessarily, but he's a really, really good football player. Um, and he affects the game and the run game and the pass game and the physicality, um, everything he provides. So, yes, Barron was honestly Texas' best playmaker in the secondary, whether that's just 
Uh, yeah, some people say, well, he dropped the ball against Baylor. Nah, Baylor receiver made a play on that ball too. But um, whether the ball just kind of came his way and it was an easy interception, that can that's debatable. But you still have to make the play. Plenty of guys drop passes that hit him in the breadbasket at defensive back. Um, so he was the best playmaker. So, yeah, and again, another guy that affected the game in the run game and the pass game for Texas. I, I thought both those guys deserve a little more. Got it. All right. A uh, couple more questions and thoughts from people. Um, I'm going to, I want to do this one. Sark is the boosters whipping boy. Quinn can't read defenses. Bobby is on the po- payroll, man. He's supposed to say that. And this is all about Malik Murphy versus Quinn Ewers. Guys, I, I, look, I've got to say this for folks that somehow think that Malik Murphy's going to come out and is the be all end all answer for the Longhorns. He may be in a year or two. I'm not saying he can't eventually, uh, but to say that I'm, you know, that I'm somehow on the take because I'm saying the uh, the corporate speak of Quinn Ewers as the quarterback. He was the quarterback the whole year, and he it's just the way it is. Coaches aren't, and, and you can even say, well, they're so invested in Quinn Ewers, they don't want to do something that that disrupts that that could be better immediately. I don't even believe that. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian has handled quarterback battles before by putting people in. He clearly thought Quinn Ewers was his best way to victory in all of those games. And you can say, well, I don't agree with Steve Sarkeesian. And that's fine. I, at times, didn't necessarily agree with Steve Sarkeesian. Okay. But at the same time, Steve Sarkeesian doesn't mean he agrees with you. He's the one that sees the practices. He's there watching the games. He knows what he's going to call in the game and who that needs to be. So to, to sit here and say, I'm trying to hold his water or somebody else, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, nor does it make sense for, for Steve Sarkeesian to do that. He's not beholden to anybody uh, in this other than himself. And he's make, he's the one that's got to do this because he's making $5 million a year. Uh, look, the guys, there's two things with quarterback or quarterbacks to me, recruiting that transfers over the, then once they're on campus. Whenever there's a coaching change, those guys are going to recruit their guys and play their guys. If people don't believe that, I mean, just look at back through the history of all this in recruiting, especially offensive coaches when they're hired. That's one. Two, they're going to play the guys that you look at the history of who they've played where they've been and look at those type of quarterback recruits they were. And whether you agree with it or not, doesn't matter. Sometimes you just have to take two steps back and say, well, damn, look at what he recruited. Look at who he played at USC. Look at who they recruited at Alabama and tell me which of the guys you think best fits the guy that's going to play the position that he wants that he feels like fits his scheme the best. And look at who he's recruited since he's been at Texas. Malik Murphy, pro-style guy. Quinn Ewers, pro-style guy. Eli Arch Manning, pro-style guy. Does anybody see a theme here? That's what is lost in all this quarterback BS talk. He's recruiting the guys that he's always recruited, and he's playing the guys he's always played. It's that simple. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. Um, uh, talking with Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com uh, and uh, on three sports. Uh, this is the Longhorn live stream, our weekly Friday afternoon uh, chat. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, just so you know, Jerry and I really appreciate this and uh, enjoy doing these things uh, with you guys. It's fun to, to connect with people about the Longhorns, which is our favorite subject. Uh, I wish some of you guys could see the text threads and the phone calls Jerry and I have. Gary, let's circle back to the portal uh, just to to give people a final taste of what we think is going to happen over the next week or two for Texas in the portal. Uh, I wrote an article at Inside Texas today talking about positions I think that could be upgraded. I mentioned wide receiver on offense. I mentioned defensive end, defensive tackle, uh, edge really on, on the defensive line. I mentioned a corner. I mentioned a safety. Uh, A lot of people took that to mean that I was a, quote, glass half full on the existing players on the roster, or I wasn't giving enough credence to the freshmen. 
And what I would say to those folks is that's not how I see it. I see very, there are very few true freshmen that are truly ready to go. Um, A&M had one of the best recruiting classes, quote unquote, of all time. They played a bunch of freshmen and went five and seven. They weren't ready to go. They played them out of necessity and et cetera, right? They weren't ready. That's what happens when you play a guy, a bunch of guys that aren't ready. Texas, these freshmen that Texas has right now, we don't know which of those are necessarily going to be ready for next year. And so as, as the attrition has hit the Texas roster, particularly from Tom Herman's last couple of recruiting classes, there's not a lot of depth or talent even outside of the first line guys in the upper class. I mean, you look at the offensive line. I mean, the second string offensive line was entirely freshman this year. You, you just, it's its a different animal um, that you're trying to ask the guys that are freshmen to come in and take these spots. There are some freaks out there that can do it. There are Kelvin Banks that exist, okay, and can do that at a high level. They are few and far between. And really, you won't see a guy's body truly develop into a college player until his junior year. I look at Jaron Thompson. I use this example. Jaron Thompson played because he had to as a freshman and sophomore. It, it, he, he has a lot of instinct for the game. There is no doubt, okay? But he's not particularly fast, and he certainly wasn't particularly strong. You can go back to the Oklahoma game a year ago when Caleb Williams ran over him right in the hole, okay? It took him two full years before he became strong enough, really, to be a true factor in the Texas run game, run run defense. It's not, it, you use the term, it's not just add water, instant player. Correct. That's what, when I talk about, I'm not talking about just the bench press. I'm talking about their, the squat, their core, just their ability actually for the first time ever eat three meals a day for a year, two years, and really gain true muscle mass and not just some, you know? It takes a while to actually get that going, and, and it's not just going to happen overnight. And you can address those things via the portal. You can't do it in high school recruiting, per se. Well, look, I, I agree. And I, I think this is the delicate balance now is um, there's – I think I still think there's developmental positions, right? I think when you recruit – defensive line guys they need some time to your point bobby i mean those guys a lot of times they got to change their bodies they gotta they gotta develop technique wise and physically right and, and there's that there's that balance in all this um but here's the thing when you look at texas program eight and four you could say yeah well, it could have been ten and two well yeah that probably means you could have been six and six too i mean it's there's a fine line but the point you want to get to is we're 10 and two or 11 and one and man should have been 13 and zero, and that's the that's where texas is looking to take the program and to do that you have to constantly be looking to upgrade every position until you get to that point because you know what steve's course sarkeesian's the head coach of the university of texas if he goes eight and four the next four years what are texas fans going to be saying about him Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. That I mean, that's the thing. So you don't have time. You don't have time to sit and develop everybody, but you still have to develop some guys. And that's just where the games change with the portal. And you have to be looking to upgrade. And part of that is if we if you can upgrade your frontline guys enough, then your developmental guys can come right behind them. But you got to get to that point. You don't want your developmental guys to be having to play like you said year one, year two, then you're not, you're not winning 11 games in the, under those circumstances. Yeah, no, I, and I think that's part of it, right? Um, we've got to get to a point where Texas is uh, assuming an eight game 
season, an eight win season is a floor instead of uh, heralding it as, as a re resurgence. Right. Um, and I think that to do that, you have to have a consistent flow in today's college football. You have to have a consistent flow of adult talent. Mm -hmm. now, I'm not adult talent is a difficult term there, but my point being that, that you can't be playing a bunch of freshmen and expect to win eight games. Yeah. Well, we talked about, Bobby, we've talked about it before, football, basketball. There's no excuse for being an inexperienced team anymore. I mean, like, it just I'm not changing the subject, but, like, so Texas basketball, look at this. They're going to lose probably Tyrese Hunter to the NBA. Marcus Carr, Jabari Rice are all gone after this year. Well, you're going to the portal for two guys that have played two, uh, two years of college basketball or one at a very high level. You're not going to bring in three freshman guards the next year. It's not – there's no excuse to be an inexperienced football or basketball team anymore if you're at a blue blood or power program. There's no excuse for it. If you do, that's why I'm not on board with what Clemson does anymore. I mean, I, I – In football. In football. In football. It, it's just like, well, we're not going to go to the portal. Okay. Well, you maybe you get away with that because you're in the ACC, but you're not going to get away with that long term. That's not what's – that's not the the the, the way this is going to work long term. That's not the way college sports is anymore. Yeah, no. Somebody's going to skin that and uh, make it better. Yep. Uh, they'll, they'll find a better way, and all of a sudden, uh, Davo Sweeney will be uh, looking up instead of looking down at the rest of the ACC. Um, uh, want to say thank you to our uh, one more question for you, but first, want to say thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky. Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. I went through it myself. Andy at myperfectfranchise.net if you're looking to get away from the corporate rat race. Um, Jerry, I asked you a question uh, in that. We're, we're now... Um, three weeks from signing day mm -hmm. in December. The first signing day is December 21st. Um, let me ask you this. We're sitting here. We're having the same discussion next week. Does Texas have any portal commitments by then? Does Texas have three portal offers out or 10 portal offers out by then? What are your, what are your thoughts? I'm going to say closer to 10 as far as the offers. Wow. Um, I think it's going to be, I think the interesting thing is now known offers, maybe not 10, but offers 10, around 10. Um, because all the, not all these guys are going to be posting offers, right? Some of them are going to handle the, yeah. the portal a different way as, as prospects um, or players. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. One of the fascinating things to me is, you know, how these college coaches make it all work right now in, in, in this December mad dash, because, your portal visits are probably going to be more midweeks, right? If you have high school official visit weekends, you don't really want those guys that are 21 years old competing for the same spots on campus. And those guys are looking at them saying, whoa, um, you don't want those guys having conversations necessarily. Let's just be real. I mean, parents, kids, whatever, players. So I think balancing it all. If you have midweek portal visits, well, coaches also have to be on the road recruiting high school guys midweek and you're going to be going to visit the portal guys so putting it all together is what's fascinating to me see texas passed on this weekend being an official visit weekend um and thinking okay well you got to still got a chance to go to the big 12 title game so you essentially have two big you have two visit weekends left in december the 10th and the 17th right now the only december 10th official visitor we know is justin benton the 17th is tyler scott Roderick Pierce, Peyton Kirkland's making an official that weekend. Obviously, he's a solid commitment. And I'm sure there's going to be a couple other high school visitors added. Anthony Hill could be an unofficial visitor that weekend one day, go to AM and next. We'll see what happens. But how Texas, the staff or these college staffs put it all together is fascinating to me um, because it's almost like having two different sets of recruits. It is, not almost, it is. And you don't want those guys visiting the same times. So, some guys have to be on the road recruiting high school guys. Then you're going to have portal guys on campus. Then the week during the week, then the week you're going to have your high school guys. And then that's the 10th. Then that other week you're going to be portal again. Then you're going to 17th is going to be your last big high school weekend. And just having the mix and match and all of it work. Um, 
you know, maybe the, uh, the, the, the planners in recruiting maybe have the toughest jobs now. And I think that's what's fascinating about combining the portal and the high school recruiting. But look, I, I don't want to uh, – one thing I don't want us to do, the portal is very important, is undersell the finish of the recruiting class for Texas. They're ranked five right now. I, they have a path to a top three class. Look, Alabama and Georgia are going to be one, two. We'll see how Ohio State closes. Maybe the highest Texas can get four. But they have a path to three. Um, and it's still important as, as important as the portal is when looking at eight and four going to 10 and two or 11 and one next year possibilities. Um, closing out, Texas has more momentum. Last year, they had some luck with the coaching carousel. Let's just be real. Um, this year, they have more momentum, more momentum they're taking out on the road. So they have a chance to have a strong close. Now, the interesting thing is how many of those guys have to be flipped for that to happen. I mean, if you just look at the wide receiver position, all four known targets are DeAndre Moore, Louisville commitment, uh, Jacoby Lane, USC commitment, Jaden Greathouse, Notre Dame commitment, Kyle Parker, LSU commitment. They're going to have to flip one or two guys. Um, so that's kind of what's in front of these guys, uh, the staff. And then obviously number one's holding on to the guys you have committed. But um, we talk about the portal a lot, and I do think it's fascinating. But make no mistake, these guys want to close with another top five class because that means something with the 2024 guys and beyond in high school. Recruiting. Oh, it means something with the 2022 class in com combination with it. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you got to stack classes if you're going to be a That's great right. program. That's just the bottom line. All right. All right. For Jerry. Thank you, Jerry, for spending yeah. your time uh, with us this afternoon. I uh, hope you start feeling better. Uh, for yeah. Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on Texas football, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, and thanks for watching this Longhorn live stream. Uh, we'll be back uh, again either. I know we're going to have some stuff over the weekend. I'm not quite sure yet. I'm uh, seeing if I can get a couple of uh, folks to do some guest appearances with me uh, for the weekend uh, is over. All right. For Jerry, I'm Bobby. Hook them. <laughs>